You're listening to Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Here, we'll chat about all things marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics in all honesty. I'm your host, Maris Young. All right. Thank you, Courtney, so much for being a guest on Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. So the first question I like to start out with is all about identity. So if I were to ask you, who is Courtney? What would you say? Ooh, I love that. Um, So Courtney is, (laughs) I am a postpartum personal chef. I live in Nashville um, with my husband. Mm -hmm. He's a touring musician, as is everybody else here. And um, (laughs) I'm a total food nerd. I've been since a young age, so it kind of makes sense that I ended up where I did. And my job is to nourish new mamas in Nashville, but I also devote um, a lot of time to other things. I have a YouTube channel um, where I talk about general holistic wellness in areas like food, health, and beauty, and I have a really amazing community here that's essential to who I am as a person, for sure, as well as my family. They're here as well. So that's kind of a little, little bit about me. Yes. Okay. So you mentioned that you've always been into food. You said mm-hmm. you've been a food nerd since you were really young. So tell me more about that. Like, what is it about food that captivates you? I was, I think I was 10 years old and I, my favorite thing to do was wake up early before school and I would watch Jamie Oliver. He had this show called The Naked Chef And I would just, I think he was one of my first celebrity crushes, probably. I just would like (laughs) sit in front of the TV and watch him cook. And I was so in awe of how effortless it was. And um, I think it was then that I was like, oh, wow, I want to be a chef. And then this weird, I can't even believe I had this thought in my mind when I was a kid, but there was this part of my mind that was like, oh, that's not a stable living. You can't do that. <laughs> like, mm. You won't have health care. You won't have like stability. So that can't be your life. And so I just kind of moved on, but still like carried that with me even into adulthood. Like some of my greatest joys are like amazing meals that I've had, you know? Mm. Yes. I can totally relate to that. Food yeah. is a huge joy of mine as well. Yeah. And so you mentioned that, you know, you started having these self-doubts and that you moved on. So what did you move on to? And then how did you get back into cooking? Yeah. So it's, this is like kind of my favorite little roundabout journey. And it (laughs) reminds me how important it is that we just allow ourselves to take the path that we're on and just step into right. What's like right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And so I was, um, I always had this somewhat complicated relationship with food, as many women do. And I think Mm -hmm. we're finding that out the more we make it less of a taboo conversation topic. So Mm -hmm. in my early adulthood, I kind of turned to nutrition because I needed to find a way to look at it in less of a love-hate relationship and more of a you are essential to me living a healthy life. Right. And so I was kind of starting to take that approach, that understanding to the way that I ate. And that kind of coincided with when I was an undergrad, I was a chronic degree changer. So I was (laughs) like flip-flopping between majors for the first two years. And I was at a friend's apartment in college at a party, like a small party. And she was in a basic nutrition class and her book was out on the table. 
And I picked Hmm. it up and I just zoned in. I don't even know. I got completely lost in it. There was a whole bunch going on around me and I just was sucked in. It's like a light bulb went off. So come junior year, I was like, that's it. I'm going to do, I'm going to do nutrition. And I just dove right in. And it was actually way more science-based than you'd realize. Mm -hmm. I was in organic chemistry, anatomy and physiology, and literal food science where like you would be burning food because, you know, a calorie is how much energy it takes to burn food. So we were like Mm -hmm. lighting food on fire and measuring calories that way. So it was kind of, I was very inundated with science Mm -hmm. And then I went into this upper level course called maternal and child nutrition. And it was like my head came above water. Mm. And I was like, wow, this is how this can be acted out. Mm. And this might be where I need to camp out was what I was kind of feeling. I considered becoming a lactation consultant. I did an internship working under a dietitian in um, the kitchen at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. Wow. And it was, it was again, just kind of part of the journey, but yeah. it was all of this conventional understanding of nutrition that ended up coming into direct conflict with what I was learning outside of my courses at the time, which I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome in my early 20s, and I was learning how I could heal my body and come off of medicine through food. Mm. So I'm learning That's all this- And then going back into class and it just was not, it was directly conflicting with what I was learning myself. So it was, it was kind of through all of that, that I was like, I don't know if this is going to be the route that I'm going to be able to take. Mm -hmm. So by the time I graduated, I knew I was like, I'm going to have to forge my own path. I can't really like make this happen. So Mm. sorry, I'm going very far with my journey. I can keep going or we can talk about that. (laughs) I think that's really interesting. So you brought up like the sense of internal conflict in what you were learning formally and then what you were learning outside on your own. So how did you move forward with that? You mentioned that you forged your own path, but did that mean you were able to kind of resolve the conflict in your mind by stepping out on your own? Like talk to me more about what that looked like for you. Yeah, that's a great question. I actually took quite a bit of time after I graduated, probably six months, Mm -hmm. and traveled and just made money in more basic ways unrelated to my degree, Mm -hmm. and eventually found that there are culinary schools that are more centered on holistic therapeutic thought. And Mm. there was a culinary school in Berkeley called Bowman College. I love it. Recommend it to everybody. (laughs) I found it, enrolled, and went, and um, it was genuinely one of the most exciting times of my life, education-wise. Wow. It was the first time that I loved learning. I just soaked it all in and totally thrived. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I found, like, okay, how can I merge these two things? And, of course, like, bringing back my young self who was like, oh, I wish I could be a chef. You know, it kind of, like, mm-hmm. found the marriage, all, all of those things that I was passionate about at the time. So by the time you got to Berkeley, to Bowman College, were you cooking or were you just at that point mainly thinking about food as a science? I was definitely more 
passionate about the creative aspect of cooking. Okay. So that's why I was really excited about going into this college where you could marry those two things because in school it was definitely not about that. My undergrad was so much more about, um, you know, the logistics of eating mm-hmm. and a lot less about flavor and how to make a delicious meal or how to nourish people in a way that's not off-putting, you know, like people (laughs) see healthy food as equated with misery and like lack of flavor. So it it felt like um, when I went into it, I was very prepared for like, how can we marry actually caring about the creative aspect with also caring about nourishing the body scientifically? Yeah, that sounds really fascinating to me. I'm curious about your major takeaways from that program that you were in in Bowman. Like what, what were the things you walked away with in how to actually marry the two? Yeah. So actually I think my biggest takeaway was that it's not as hard as we think it is. And that was my biggest thing when I approached being a personal chef after the fact was Mm -hmm. I wanted people to understand it's actually, it doesn't have to be, intimidating to think that you can just actually create delicious, healthy food. So they really kind of, you enter under the assumption that you already believe that. So Mm -hmm. when we got there, we didn't spend a lot of time being like, hey guys, we're here to tell you that healthy food can be good. We just got there and they were like, this is how it is, right? We all understand that. So now we're moving forward. And then every, every week was focused on a different, um, therapeutic utilization of food, which is probably my other greatest takeaway, which is that we don't give enough value to how therapeutic food can be for us. Mm. And on the flip side, we don't give enough weight to how damaging some of the food that we eat can be. Mm -hmm. So I think it was just very powerful to, you know, spend an entire week learning from a therapeutic chef who had had a ton of cancer patients in her years and decades. And she taught us how to approach a a cancer patient who maybe had, who was dealing with nausea or who couldn't eat or who had sores in their mouth or their throat or, you know, just Mm -hmm. so many different aspects of like really caring for a person in such a holistic way. And Mm -hmm. that was where the power was, you know? Mm. Yes, I definitely know. So for those who aren't familiar, tell me a little bit more about what you mean when you say like therapeutic chef or food being used in a therapeutic way. Absolutely. So I am I am what you call a certified natural chef. That's what my certification is in. Okay. And essentially the foods that we are given, whether it's through the earth or through, you know, like pasture-raised animals or things like that, inherently whole foods have benefits that are essentially nourishing to the body. If we start out at, you know, a level playing field, the foods we eat can either deplete from us or add to what we already have. Mm -hmm. And we are always in need of micronutrients like minerals and vitamins. We're in need of macronutrients like protein, carbohydrate, fat, things like that just to keep us alive and going at any given time. Yeah. But but beyond those very basic building blocks of nutrition, 
there are a lot of schools of thought and you'll find some of them to even be completely conflicting with each other, but Mm -hmm. a lot of schools of thought that food has inherently healing qualities. And I'm sure any number of your listeners has met somebody who maybe was able to come off of a medication because of the way they changed the way they were eating. Or Mm. as I've been diving into more recently, um, even if it's a mom who was able to really take care of her healing Mm -hmm. post labor, you know, Mm -hmm. food can actually um, be an assistance in that. Wow. I think it's really special to, to have the kind of training that you have and to be able to impart that wisdom to the clients that you take on. And so we kind of glossed over this in the in our uh, earlier conversation, but tell me more about how you became a personal chef. Yeah, so when I uh, came to the end of my time at Bowman, I we basically have this thesis, quote unquote, and it's really just a research paper paired with um, a meal plan that we put together and then a cooking demonstration. Wow! And I chose prenatal as my focus and. Ironically enough, even with like how much I resonated with my maternal and child class in undergrad and the fact that I chose to do prenatal as my focus, I didn't, I still didn't see the light as like, Mm. oh, this is something you seem to have a passion for Mm. no matter what. So I left culinary school, moved back to Nashville, and I started a personal chef business. And um, I offered everything. It was Truly, it was too much. You know, Mm. people talk about when you start a business, um, make sure you have like a niche that's specific to people. Right. And I was doing in-home personal chefing. I was doing meal delivery, small-scale catering, consulting, like all of these different things. And it was it was a lot for sure. So um, I did that for four years, and then and then I got burnt out. Obviously, like how could I not? But that was how I got into personal chefing, yeah. Okay. Okay, so you mentioned a couple things. Like you'd already taken the prenatal, like maternal health class um, mm-hmm. in undergrad. And then you specialized your thesis in prenatal cooking. So mm-hmm. what do you think drew you to taking care of mothers and and their health through therapeutic cooking? I think maternal nourishment is so interesting to me because it's foundational. Mm. That was one of my aha moments when I was at culinary school. We were talking about the way that a mom is eating when she's pregnant and how she's helping um, form her GI tract in her baby. Mm. And in your digestive tract is where a large portion of your immune system lives or is. So I just had this like kind of zoom out moment where I was like, wow, that is insane to me that the way that mom is eating is actually setting up her child for their immune system success for the rest of their life, you know? Mm. And that's not to put pressure on the mom, but really in my mind, it was so empowering and encouraging. And so that was kind of the basis for my passion for maternal nutrition was just, this is where it starts. Mm -hmm. The mom is the source of life. And then, and then that life 
goes on from there, you know? Yes, totally. But it also, I think it also has a lot to do with timing. And um, I'm 30, so my friends have been having babies for, you know, left and right for six-ish years now. Mm -hmm. So it was, it really also kind of started from like, it started with, I had a friend who was having trouble producing milk. So I was like, what is a good recipe for lactation cookies? You know, like that's how I kind of started approaching the more logistical aspect of things. And then it grew into what does a mama need to be eating after pregnancy, if I'm bringing them meals, those kinds of things. And then it all just kind of exploded from there. Ooh. Okay. So tell me more about what types of meals you prepare for moms, like while they're pregnant and then immediately postpartum. And I'd love to also hear your reasoning behind why you're putting together what it is that you're putting together. Yeah, well, we can kind of, if you want, I can just kind of talk to you about Polymare as a as an entity and what it's based on. And I think Please. that will kind of lead into that answering that question. But Polymare means uh, for the mother in French, for mm-hmm. anybody who doesn't know that. And of course, it's pronounced way differently, but it reminds me of that person who like says, croissant, you know, when, when they're like an American who should be saying croissant, you know, it's almost embarrassing for them. So I was like, I'm just going to say it like a, like a Southern girl and then I'll, <laughs> it'll be fine. But yeah, so Pour La Mer is for the mother and it is really based on the like tenants that there is a fourth trimester. Mm-hmm. There is a time after the fact that the mother still is recovering and needing, or just in general, the mother still has needs after she has the baby. Of course. Um, I mean, truly, I think we're one of the only cultures that insists on like, all right, well, you did it. You had that baby. So like now you just move on, like get Mm -hmm. back to regular, regular life, go back to doing your everyday things. And that is, I mean, in my studies, I found there there are all like so many cultures that revere the fourth trimester. Mm. And some of them even are like, you're not allowed to leave the home for six weeks, which we know that's not practical at all. But there's something to be learned from that. It's, I mean, we're talking Native American traditions, Latin American, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, Mm. and then we, and so many more. And then we just kind of drop off and we're like, okay, go now, you know, take care of yourself. Back to work. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of based around honoring and revering the fourth trimester and combining that with the fact that food has all of these healing properties we talked about earlier. Yes. So what I do as a a postpartum personal chef is I go into the home after the baby is born. And um, for those first six weeks, I am taking care of mama's nutritional needs entirely. So breakfast, lunch, dinner, tea, broth, just really kind of packing it all in and just making sure all of her needs are taken care of. And it's all motivated by the fact that there are these tenets of really taking care of the mom Mm -hmm. because that is all of the other focus is on baby, understandably so, but we can't just forget to take care of the mom. So what is like, a sample breakfast, lunch, and dinner that you would prepare for a mom immediately postpartum? 
Yeah. So I'm going to tell you just a couple of the main like overarching themes because those influence the way that the menu is built. But one of the main things that you want to think about is warm, soft, comforting foods. Okay. And that's because your digestion has been compromised. Mm. And if your digestion isn't working properly, then all of the nutrients that you're taking in won't actually make a difference. They won't be absorbed by the body. Mm. So digestion is going to be like top priority. So you're thinking of things that are soothing and things that are easy on your digestion. Mm. So for example, one food that is a common that makes a common appearance is nourishing porridges. Um, this kind of takes different shapes. In some cultures, it's called kanji, mm-hmm. and it's rice-based, and it's just like full of all like broth or water, or it's just a very nourishing. It can be savory, it can be sweet, mm-hmm. and um, very healing because you can pack it with all of these different. Um, spices or minerals or even collagen can go into it, which is helpful for tissue repair. Hmm. Um, And then similarly, there's something called kitchery. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's rice and mung beans. And it has a lot of good spices for postpartum, ironically, even though it wasn't created for that purpose. Hmm. It has fennel and fenugreek, which both have lactation support benefits and hormone balancing benefits. Hmm. So that would be like... That's kind of its own little category is nourishing porridges, you know, like that's something that I'm going to bring up a lot for sure. And then um, also another tenant is to not eat raw or cold food. So obviously if a mom is like really craving a raw carrot or something, (laughs) then like by all means, like eat the carrot, you're going to be okay. But for the most part, all of these um, ancient traditions say that, you know, when you've had a baby, you've lost energy, you've lost blood and you've lost warmth. And so what they want to do is just like really encourage your body to continually be able to like warm itself. Mm. And so you're not drinking ice water you're not drinking, eating a raw kale salad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like gently cooked. You know, if you want to have kale, it can be kale, but it's gently steamed or cooked in some like beautiful, healthy fat, like olive oil or mm. ghee or something like that. And then um, definitely wanting to give the mom enough protein as well. Mm-hmm. So if somebody eats meat, it would be pastured meat, Um And even hopefully if the mom is willing, it's good to have liver because liver has honestly a ton of the things that a new mom needs. It has folate, B12, iron, vitamin A. I mean, it's just packed. So, um, you know, a good meal for that would be to incorporate liver subtly in like a meatball and then just give mama that with like some kind of nourishing sauce and maybe some steamed greens or something like that. That sounds delicious. Yeah. And so you're preparing these on site for the mother? Yes. Yeah. So of course, like I said, I've been doing all the different kinds of things when I was operating as a personal chef in other ways. And the way that I found um, I thrive and also really get to connect with the client is by cooking in the home. Mm. I think it does feel it just feels more like I'm there as a support system. And that's kind of, 
I love what a postpartum doula does. Mm -hmm. I think it's so magical and essential. And honestly, anytime I can work with one, I'm like, please give me that anytime. (laughs) But even if I can fill that space of support, whether it's being there to listen or being there to like, let's say I just made a bowl of porridge, instead of putting it in the fridge, Mm -hmm. I could take it to the mom in bed, you know? Right. Um, It just feels like more of a holistically supportive feeling if I'm there in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. And so do you often have the opportunity to share or teach the new mothers or is it mainly just focused on you preparing um, and, you know, serving and then after your six weeks are up or are they kind of on their own? Like, I'd love to know more about how you prepare the new mothers for living without your services. Yeah. So it's interesting. I definitely want to be a source of imparting knowledge that they might want. It's Mm -hmm. also important to me that I don't get in the way, you know? So it's kind of a mix of the two. Can I if you want knowledge, if you want me to equip you, I'm so happy to do that. Mm-hmm. If you want me to literally just be in the kitchen quietly cooking for you and then leave, I'm okay with that too, you know? Okay. But I do find that is, a, that is a goal of mine and really a part of my heart is to not leave a mom feeling like she's just been all of a sudden dropped, you know? there Even if it's leaving some hormone supporting meals after the six weeks that maybe don't have to do with immediately nourishing postpartum, but really like helping you transition out of how we've been eating thus far. You know, Mm -hmm. I do also like to create like educational um, details that I can give to them. So like if they care, they can read about why they're eating congee, you know, and then they can carry that with them into you know, that either the next season or if they have another baby and don't use me, those kinds of things. Mm. Okay. So what do you wish that mothers in general, or you could speak specifically about new mothers, what do you wish that they knew about nutrition and nourishment? I love that. Um, wow. I, I would say it's probably twofold. Okay. The first thing is that it's not selfish to prioritize yourself. Mm. And I I know you would agree with this because I've listened to the other people that you've had on and even whether it's hiring a postpartum doula or whether it's going to a therapist, it's okay to prioritize yourself. Yes. As I said earlier, obviously, all the focus is or will be on the baby. That's beautiful. That's important. And your focus also is on that baby. You're bonding, and that bond is essential. But I always think of it as like you cannot give water from an empty well. So true. So making sure that you are filled up, making sure that you're taken care of, and starting with the most basic human need, which is food and water. Mm-hmm. So if that means budgeting for help, that will – take care of your nourishment needs or it, you know, one of the most practical ways that I think moms could implement this is just to give recipes to their friends. You know, meal trains are so common and I don't think it's selfish to be like, Hey, I love you. Thank you for making me a meal or thank you for signing up to make me a meal. Here is an easy recipe that is going to be good for me. If you don't mind making one of these, you know what I mean? I'd never thought about that before. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's, again, it's just that, like, you have to step out of that space that I think we live in, maybe just as women in general, thinking that sharing your needs is being needy. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just reminds me of that, you know, when you're on an airplane, you put your oxygen mask on before your child's. Mm -hmm. You are already, like, you're giving of your nutrients to your baby if you're breastfeeding and also just giving of yourself as a new mom. So making sure that you have nutrients to give them. I mean, it's, it's very elementary. And I think just setting that like precedent for yourself, even before you have a baby, but even after, I mean, let's say you have a Mm five-year-old and you still don't, you still don't find the space to prioritize yourself in self-care, you know, it can be learned. I feel like by anybody Mm -hmm. at any season. And then second, I would say um, one thing that really just grinds my gears (laughs) is, um, you know, society gives us this pressure to just immediately get back on the horse in whatever way, in every way, you know? So especially, unfortunately, when it comes to losing weight, that's just this thing that I feel like women probably think about it before, even before they have their baby. Mm. They're stressed about how am I going to lose the weight when I have the baby. Mm. And my encouragement and what I wish mothers knew about their nourishment and their nutrition is just like, give yourself a moment for the love of everything. Just take a second. You've been through so much and this is time for you to recover. And actually what I tell clients is, If you give yourself that recovery time, you will actually be better equipped to bounce back. Mm. Not that, not that that's what's important. Like I'm actually telling, (laughs) telling them that it's not, Mm -hmm. but if I feel that they're fixated on that, I'm like, all right, you're going to have so much more to give so much more energy. Your hormones will be able to balance out, which in turn reflects in your skin, your hair growth, your weight loss, your appetite. If you like give yourself this season and look out for your needs and prioritize healing above all that other stuff that you feel pressured to focus on, Mm -hmm. then you'll actually be set up for success more so. Mm. That is, that's extremely powerful. Thank you for sharing that. That's what I got. (laughs) And so, okay. I'm also curious somewhat selfishly because I'm a mom and I need to make sure that I'm making nourishing food for myself and my son, who is two at this point. So what are some practical tips that you could share for moms of all ages and stages? So I think one of the most practical and very like helpful tips that I've encountered through this season Mm -hmm. is if nothing else, just remember variety. Mm. So getting your vegetables, fruits, proteins, healthy fats, nuts and seeds, obviously within the scope of what your body allows. You know, some people have dietary restrictions and things like that. Mm -hmm. So all of this taken with a grain of salt and for what applies to you. But I think variety is so huge and that even manifests in the colors that you're eating. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, you can't, as a mom, you don't have time to sit down and be like, am I getting all of my vitamin B, C, my selenium, Mm -hmm. my, you know, like nobody has time for that, (laughs) even if they don't have kids. Mm -hmm. So I think actually what's so helpful is knowing that you will be getting most of what you need within variety if you just eat different colored foods. Mm. 
because the, obviously the green vegetables are going to have different micronutrients than the purple, than the orange. And then when you kind of round it all out, you end up getting what you need. I love that. So I think that's, that's definitely like one of my favorite practical tips is just to focus on variety and your body will appreciate it and will thank you. Um, another thing that I think is, this is less for, um, this is more for new moms, but one tip that I love is implementing collagen Mm -hmm. and I'm not a new mom and I still Mm -hmm. love it. So I think it is for everybody, but the reason I recommend it for a new mom is because it heals tissue. So if you're adding it to your tea, your smoothies, your water, whatever context you like it Mm -hmm. in, it's a really good way to really, you don't have to go out of your way. You would just add it to what you're already having. Um, So I think that's really helpful. And then I think another like tip that is practical and necessary that I think we need to hear a lot of because of decades past of conditioning us against Mm -hmm. this is that we really need healthy fats and especially postpartum. Mm -hmm. But even now, um, it helps balance blood sugar. It's essential for brain health. So like, even if you're thinking about whether if you're struggling with some form of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, Mm -hmm. there's a direct correlation between your gut health and your brain health. It's, I think it's called the gut brain connection. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, yeah, just like making sure that you are not being afraid of fat. So whether that's, you know, veg, you know, plant-based fats, like olive oil, avocados, nuts and seeds, or if you're willing to go towards pastured meats or grass-fed butter or fatty fish, just no matter what, remembering that we need all of those different macronutrients in order to have a well-rounded, like healthy daily living. Mm. Yes, that's extremely important too. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I also, I mean, I would say one more (laughs) is um, practical, practical tip wise. I think it's really important to listen to your body. And I don't know if we do that enough as a culture, Mm -hmm. we don't really spend, it's kind of just you're eating while you're watching something or you're eating your kids leftovers or, you know, there's so many distractions. You're not really eating and thinking about how the food makes you feel. Um, So specifically to a new mom, if you eat something and then you feel cold and tired, that means your digestion is not equipped for that meal yet. So you need to go back to more easily digestible, warming foods. But even just for you and I, Mm -hmm. If you eat something and it gives you energy and makes you feel empowered, then like that's a good food for your body to be eating. You know, if you eat something and you feel lethargic, if you feel um, exceptionally gassy, you know, things like that. I think they're things that we have just accepted as this is what it's like to live as a human. Mm -hmm. And that's actually untrue. So I think really being aware of like, you know, we don't have time to go through all of the nutritional testing and find out what's not working for us and what is, but the very least we can do is listen to our bodies. So how would you recommend that someone practice listening to their body? Let's say they, they're not even really sure where to begin. Yeah. So I really do think, um, food is, and it's, I think it's called energetic, but it, it basically, um, gives your different foods, give your body different energies, Mm -hmm. not in like a weird, like, um, not in a weird way, just in like a 
genuinely the energy that your body gets from your food, paying attention to that. If you eat something and maybe 5, 10, 30 minutes later, you just take a moment to think about how do I feel? Am I, and it's like very basic stuff. Mm -hmm. Is my stomach satiated? So does it, do I feel full from that meal? Is my heart racing? Am I itchy? Is there gas in my stomach? Or is it just that it's making you feel great? You feel like you could go get a bunch of stuff done right now. Are you focused or is your head cloudy? Things like that are very basic, but it does take those first steps of just how do I feel? And sometimes it's you're not going to notice unless it's, it's extreme. Mm-hmm. And so first learning to dial in at least to those extreme moments. And then from there, you're going to get the more tuned in ability to be like, oh, this is making me feel this way. Um, kind of in the more specific nuanced ways. But just initially, I would just say, look for the extremes and start noting them. You know, like keep a note in your phone mm-hmm. and be like, I ate a huge sandwich and 30 minutes later, I thought I was going to fall asleep driving the car, you know, right? just stuff like that. Yeah. So you can have a record, like a, a little log of how yeah were affecting you and your, your energy level and your just overall well-being. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So are there any other things that you wish people talked about more when it comes to food, nutrition, and holistic wellness? Yeah. I think it kind of comes back to what I was talking about earlier on, which is just that it's not as hard as we think it is. Mm. It really is about looking at eating whole foods that make you feel energized, make you feel satisfied, and just going from there. And you can obviously get into so much minutia with this, and there's all these different ways that people eat, and they'll tell you that it's the right way or the wrong way, or, you know, it it is so, it can get very complicated. And I think it really, we just need to step back if you're at all overwhelmed by nourishing foods or how to take care of yourself as a new mom, just step back and look at it as a very simple, I'm a human being and I need to keep my body going. And I can do that by giving it things that it can deal with easily. So rather than like a bunch of processed foods that it has to break down and figure out what is this made of? What do I do with it? You just give it the most natural basic ingredients and let it go from there. So I think it really is about letting it be motivated by harmony with your body and looking at your body and saying like, I want to take care of you and give you what you need. Mm. So I'm going to do that starting here, if that makes sense. That's, I think, I wish that's how the conversation went more often. And I wish that was more of our motivation for eating well, honestly. I, like I said, there's just so many, especially with new moms, all this pressure that really motivates their healthy eating solely from a weight loss perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's just absolutely not. It's like, let's start from page one where you are just like, you're a human body that needs to take care of its basic needs, right. you know? And, and, and ironically doing that typically results in your body thanking you and you do have glowing skin or healthy hair or, you know, you're, metabolism optimizes easier or your hormones Mm -hmm. balance. 
all of that kind of comes into play. And I think a part of that is based on stress and we put stress on ourselves by digging in almost too mm-hmm. deep. You know what I mean? Totally. How do you think we can help to alleviate that stress, especially when it comes to new moms and all of the pressures that they feel? I think it's really good to talk about it, but also to be careful with who you talk mm-hmm. to. Um, just be guarded with who you're sharing that with because then their energies will influence this thing that you're trying to actually nurture. Mm. So I already know that there are certain people I will probably not bring up if I'm concerned about weight loss postpartum or if I'm thinking about those kinds of things, like I'm not going to bring it to X, Y, and Z people because I already know the energy they're going to give me back is, well, yeah, you should get back onto it. When I was pregnant, here's what I did, you know? being really cautious that you're, when you are talking about it, you're talking about it with somebody who is understanding, who's a good mm-hmm. listener and who's going to encourage you towards mm-hmm. health. Um, I think that's definitely talking about it is huge. And then on the same page of like guarding your intake, I would just be really careful with what I'm watching, what I'm reading, what I'm looking at, especially with the social media age that we're in. Like, it can be really damaging to just sit there and like scroll through all of these like completely unrealistic mm-hmm. photos. And frankly, just, you know, they're, they're conveying something that's actually just the best side of what their reality mm. is. And, but you don't have the mental space to kind of weed through all of that. So I think just being really careful um, with what you're intaking mm-hmm. in general is key to being able to um, sort through all of it and figure out what is best for you. I love it. That's excellent advice. And I, I find myself too, even though I am working within the motherhood space, there are, like you said, we are really bombarded with everyone's best life, you know? And um, yeah, sometimes it's great to see people thriving, you know, and really doing, doing the most yeah. and really getting out there and accomplishing all their dreams. But I have to be very careful and I think listeners should check in with themselves too and, and make note of whether or not that kind of content lifts you up or does it bring you down? And, you know, sometimes you have to stop and take stock of the accounts you're following. Maybe, maybe you don't unfollow them all, but maybe you put some on mute. Maybe you realize, you know, I'm not really in the right kind of headspace to engage with this person's content right now. So I'm not going to unfollow, but, you know, I might check back in every now and again, but to have it on my feed all the time would just be too much. Yeah. Can I just say I'm a huge mute fan? Really? (laughs) I mute so many things now. It's kind of, I went on like a muting binge and I just couldn't stop. And now (laughs) anytime I take something in, then I'm like, oh, I notice I'm not feeling great when I'm when I'm watching this or reading this, I mute just left and right. And I think it's so good. And like you said, you don't have to be like, no, never again. You can reapproach it when you're like, oh, I'm in a better headspace now. I can handle this. Yes. And I think it really goes back to what you mentioned earlier, listening to your body, you know, and checking in with yourself, not just with what you're Mm -hmm. eating, but what you're consuming in general, like you mentioned, you know, because media, whether it's on the television whether it's podcasts, you know, whether it's on social media, like all of these things have the potential to influence how we feel about ourselves and our surroundings. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to be thoughtful about the things that we 
engage in in our life and to give ourselves the permission to step back from things when they aren't feeling right in that moment. Right. I mean, that's why they're called influencers because they influence us. So that's not to be taken lightly, you know? Right. Totally. Awesome. Well, where can people stay in touch with your work? Yeah. So I have a website. It's poorlamare.com. That's um, P-O-U-R-L-A-M-E-R-E.com. And that's just a basic for if somebody wanted a better understanding of what I'm based on, what I care about and how it manifests mm-hmm. in my work. Um, but obviously that's going to be a bit more for people who want to hire me. So in general, my Instagram is a great spot. Um, it's the same. It's at poor Lemaire. And mm-hmm. um, also if we have any non moms in the audience, which would be surprising or just maybe somebody who's not a new mom. Um, my mm-hmm. YouTube channel is just full of, you know, kind of basic wellness, holistic wellness. Um, I do talk about hormone balancing foods and um, non-toxic cleaning ingredients. And I know you're a safer beauty advocate. I talk about that kind of stuff a lot too. So that's under Coco Wit. It's my nickname. So that's just C-O-C-O-W-H-I-T. So. Okay. I'm writing that down myself because I want to go and check out your videos. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, Welcome any, you know, if, if I didn't answer any questions that any of your audience had during this time, you know, send me a DM. I love to talk about this kind of stuff and I have um, the time and energy for it right now. So bring it on. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Courtney. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and for just creating this awesome space for people to share. And I'm really honored to be a part of it. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of Young Honest Mother, the podcast, which means it's time for you to join the conversation. Share your thoughts on social media and tag me at Young Honest Mother, and then pass this episode along to friends and family who need to know that they're not alone on this journey either. Until next time, I'm your host, Maurice Young.